This is a CNA podcast. In a few words, can you just give us your thoughts on the following women and money? Women can be very good with money. Risk appetite. More conservative, but that may make them better investors. Men versus women in investing. Overrated. <laughs> Thanks so much. Hello and Happy New Year. Welcome to Money Talks. I'm Sarah Alcaldi. When you think of famous investors, what name comes to mind? Well, I bet you thought Warren Buffett or local billionaire Peter Lim. For some reason, women don't make the list of well-known financial gurus. It's strange because if you think about the home, wives and mothers are likely to be the ones who know exactly what goes in and comes out each month. That's since they handle the bulk of caregiving duties. Well, I for one, I know how much milk and diapers cost, but the data shows that men still make big money decisions, from buying insurance to deciding on which stocks or bonds to invest in. So why is that? And do women lack the confidence or the risk appetite to take greater care and control of their money? Well, my guest today thinks women, in fact, make great investors, and you want to hear why. Oi Chu is the CEO of private market investment platform ADDX. Thanks for joining us, Oi. Thanks, and love being here with you, Sarah. You know, you've been in the finance world for some time, and in my time with business news, we come across a lot of men in the industry. Aside from the professional space, even talking with friends, it's usually the men who are interested in finance and investments. They're the ones who come up to me at least and have all sorts of questions of where do you think the property market will go or where do you think the stock market will go? Women, not so much. What's your experience like uh, talking to women and in the women that you're in touch with? I think that's absolutely right, Sarah. I kind of reflected on my conversations with my friends. And it's usually the men that I have a conversation with investing. And it could be across anything. It could be mm. property. It could be crypto. It could be sort of, well, well, what's good out there? What do we like? What do we not like trends? It tends to be with the men. And by the way, I'm in the finance sector, right? So mm -hmm. that already says something. It is not that often that I have conversations with my women friends who are not in the finance sector. So with women friends who are in the finance sector, then there is some level of discussion as to what we're investing in, private versus public. So I like to take different points of view. I hear what other people mm -hmm. are saying, how they are expressing their investing, I absorb it. But I have to say with a number of my women friends who are not in the finance sector, I tend not to have that conversation, not mm -hmm. deliberately so. We talk about other things, kids, what's happening politically, the general sort of gossip out there, right? Not so much about investing. In your household, do you play a bigger role in managing not just your day-to-day -day finances, but the planning, the long-term investment planning? Yeah, even for me, I think planning is a little bit of an overstatement. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> but part of that is because I'm the one in the finance sector, so I mm. tend to be much more sensitive to investing and think a bit more about 
let's say, property, how much leverage we should be doing, or what's the trend in the public markets or the private markets? How do we then plan for that? Because I'm also thinking about the not so much the day-to-day finances, but also in the midterm, my daughters are in their teenage years. And so we've got to start planning about universities. Do they study abroad? Do they study locally? And therefore, the financial planning comes with that, right? When would we need that money how do we manage that? So in our household, it also just happens because I'm a bit more sensitive to that, that I look at that a lot more carefully. What do you think is the approach, general approach that women have when it comes to investing, especially for those who don't have a finance background or don't work in the finance industry? Sarah, a lot of men don't work in the finance industry. That's true. Right? (laughs) I saw it when I was in the university already that men tend to be a lot more active thinking about stocks and they would talk to each other about trading and how they would make money. And I think for them, it starts very early. It could be a social thing. I am not sure. It, it could just be that in Singapore, for example, the men spend two years in the army. So they're also mm. a bit more mature when they come to the university and a bit more active thinking about their wealth, either protection mm. or growth. Right. And they start making money a bit earlier because in the army, they're already getting some kind of a stipend. That's true. So it's not like being born a man gives you that natural financial savviness. Women just have to acknowledge that, right? Today, with social media, with the internet, there's actually a lot of resources at hand to start understanding uh, investing. And I'm sure there are a lot of resources out there as well that you can go to for beginners, like a one-on-one on investing. So the first part is building some kind of a knowledge base. And then the second part becomes the confidence in investing. Because we all know that even with today's fixed deposits, putting money in cash, which apparently a lot of women do, It's not enough. It will not help you grow wealth. At best, you are keeping on par with inflation. And it's not going to help you actually grow the asset that you have. So knowledge is the first. And then the second is confidence. And actually, confidence comes from making some decisions, having an opinion as to what to invest in. And you can start small. And then understanding over time what happens when you make money and when you lose money and understanding both the market dynamics and your own psychology of that. And then that, I think, will help you build, will help a woman or any investor for that matter, grow confidence. Mm -hmm. So in a sense, in terms of the tools, in terms of the information, we have the same tools as men, really. Yes, And we should be able to jump in there the same way or maybe the same degree that men do. I agree with that to a very large extent. The other thing that women need to be a bit more conscious about, this is something that's quite interesting as I reflected upon it. Women tend to take on a lot, right? Women are known for their multitasking. And women do take on a lot of responsibilities, even if they're working or not working, they take on responsibilities at home around the kids, around Mm -hmm. finances, around planning. So their mind is generally extremely engaged all the time across Mm -hmm. a huge number of areas that they need to think and manage. And women don't necessarily stop to think about investing. Investing is probably one of the last few things they they would even think about because they've just got Mm -hmm. so much on their mind. Whereas I think men in a social setting at work, for example, they probably do tend to sit around, talk about what's happening, 
politically and then start talking about what they're investing in, what are some of the key mm-hmm. trends, and then they pick up from each other. Women tend to sit sort of in a social setting, even at work, talk about kids, talk about what's happening politically. They don't really talk about what's happening in the investing space. So it does take a lot more than just reading up. Uh, there is probably an opportunity to create maybe a social group or deliberately create that social discussion so that then they can get ideas from different friends as well. You made a good point about how there's so much going on sometimes in our minds and it's hard to think long term, right? I mean, we're just trying to get the week. I'm just trying to get groceries. I'm just trying to, you know, get the kids to bed. And now you want me to think about the next 30 years. Like it's just so hard to, <laughs> to wrap my head around it. That's the issue with the headspace and how we're so busy. But how about risk? Do you think there is a difference between men and women when it comes to how risky they can become? Do we just feel like investing is too risky, especially once you have a lot of responsibilities on your plate, children and homes? Is it too much when it comes to how risky we can get? Yes, I think that there is an interplay, right, in the family. Um Because as a mother and as a woman, you tend to have a very protectionistic approach to your household, your finances. And therefore, I think women, when they have a choice to think about investing or finances, they tend to start very conservatively. That's why a lot of that's in cash. Then they think about insurance because they want to think about, okay, how do I make sure that this is locked up? This is protected. This is that particular nest that I can rely on, that my kids can feel sheltered and financially protected. So the kind of that starting point is there. I think sometimes for the men, because they know that the woman is taking care of that. Right. Right? Uh, that's my hypothesis, right? Then they sort of say, look, the safety bit is taken care of. They can then start thinking about how do they then grow that wealth. And in growing that wealth, they probably tend to be able to take more risk and say, for the long term, I can accept a loss ratio in exchange for a higher return, right? So, mm-hmm. so men skip those basic steps and they go straight into that. Mm-hmm. There is a space in between. Mm-hmm. And I think that women could think about that space in between. And we all have seen many studies because of the way women think and invest. And they're actually likely to be less reactive to the markets and less emotional that women are actually better investors. Mm-hmm. And so there's probably a space in between the very, very 100% capital protected safety type financial products into the high risk products. And that in between is where women can expand their knowledge base to be more effective with their money and their capital. There is space for you to, to balance that out and help your household stay in that middle ground. Yes, yes, I agree with that. Some women may think, my husband likes it, my husband enjoys it, and so far he's been doing good. Maybe he's better than me. Is there a case for just letting them do it? Just handing it off to your husband? Why should we be involved? And how important is it for us to dip our toes in this matter? Yeah. I observe some of these and, and obviously the men are, are very happy being the one who are investing and, and taking all that risk. If that were the case, I would not stay completely oblivious right. because at the end of the day, the portfolio is a family portfolio. Mm-hmm. And so 
if the risk is taken and for whatever reason you lose money off that portfolio, what is that safety net? So the question is whether the two ends of the barbells are being guarded or some parameter at which the overall capital is okay. Because you're actually building for the future. And if all of that money is run into a very high-risk portfolio, for example, and especially in the last few years, we would have seen Mm -hmm. a lot of value has been lost. Mm -hmm. So what's that, Stephanie? Are you going to completely sort of say 100%, here you go, honey. Mm. Here's all the money. (laughs) I trust you completely. (laughs) Don't ask me anything. Just give me the money at the end of our life. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I think that's, that's one part of that. I would also say if, let's say, there was that small probability that for whatever reason the family falls apart, right? Mm -hmm. Does a woman take unnecessary exposure to a lack of financial planning? Mm -hmm. For example, if the marriage ends in their kids, how do you deal with the finances? As a woman, if you're not involved in the finance or don't understand that, Mm -hmm. how do you plan? How do you move ahead independently? How do you make sure that your kids are taken care of? And how do you make sure that you yourself is taken care of. Or if, let's say, the husband takes the money and gambles it away. Mm-hmm. Or whatever that is, right? How do women respond to that? Yeah. So I would say to be 100% oblivious is probably not the right strategy. Mm-hmm. But just maybe to keep an eye and make sure there's always some level of mm-hmm. protection. And whether you squirrel it away somewhere in a sort of safety net of sorts. And it can be as simple as investing in a portfolio of REITs, right? They pay you a dividend. You just lock that capital away, get some money. Or you could be looking at fixed income products and just sort of put it in there just so that you get some level of return above fixed deposits. It could be quite simple. Mm. So it's just about thinking, preempting, planning, making sure you have the right protections in place. It's interesting you say that we shouldn't be oblivious because What surprises me about some of the women I've spoken to is that, I mean, they know exactly how much money they spend for groceries, right? They know how much the diapers cost, the rice, you know, every 10 cents increase they know. But when it comes to investments and insurance and all these things, they let the husbands do it and they don't even know where these things are. They don't know what kind of insurance protection they have. And for me, I feel, I mean, there's got to be a check and balance, right? Like every other institution out there, I think the least we should be doing is knowing where that is in the first place. Do you have any instances or experience that you've seen women be really hurt by being oblivious to where their money is? Well, I mean, I don't have specific cases, although there have been, as you would have read, some high-profile cases of lawyers who, who just basically ran away with a bunch of money and sort of left you know, their wives to deal with all the problems back home. But I worry very much where I have friends or I see couples who break up, right? And mm-hmm. with all the wealth or all the men sort of control that. Mm-hmm. And sort of really worry about where does the woman even start to think about what's rightfully due to herself? How does she protect the kids? I mean, that that really is the first thing that comes to mind. And I worry about friends who are mm-hmm. caught in those situations. So if you haven't built that thinking, by the time that happens, it's it's way too late. Because you don't know where the money has 
been or moved or the assets mm-hmm. whose name is it in where should it sit uh, it's something that you cannot wait until the event happens and then say oh where is everything mm-hmm. you can't go to think a bit backwards and and plan and be a bit more organized around that Hello everyone, my name is Crispina and I'm Adrian and we're the hosts of a podcast called Work It. If you've never heard of it, well, it's a good time to tap in. In the last 20 episodes, we've discussed topics like how to negotiate for a salary increase or how to get along with younger colleagues who have different values from you, which incidentally is our top performing episode. If work consumes your life and you want some perspective on issues like management, stress, even office romance, then this podcast should be on your list. A new episode drops every Monday. Catch us on the CNA app or wherever you get your podcast. You talked about building knowledge and building confidence. That sounds like you just got to try it, at least even with small steps and with simple types of investments. You've got to just dip your toes in there. That seems to be the first steps. But how do you know that? you're on the right track? And are there certain goals that you think we should be hitting along the way to make sure we're not totally on the wrong place? I think learning, getting confidence, a lot of that, it's about having some knowledge base, but then a little bit of trial and error. Mm. And I would say in the beginning, diversification is a very useful tool because you're not going to get your first bet 100% correct, right? I mean, we all hear these horror stories about investors who decided to put all their money in, for example, cryptocurrency, whatever those horror stories might be. Yeah. And you kind of know as a beginner or someone who's just starting out investing, the idea is sort of diversification, invest in a number of different products. And then over time, understand what your own risk profile and what your own financial profile is. Mm. Problem with investing is actually a very personal skill or a personal sort of approach because everyone has a different financial life cycle. I have kids who are in their teens. Mm -hmm. You may have kids who are very young. The way you think about money and wealth and growth may be very different. Mm -hmm. You will have a different risk aversion to myself, right? Maybe it's because I understand products better and willing to accept that risk whereas someone you know who's new in the investing process may not mm-hmm. so it is after you've invested in a number of things and you say well okay i don't like the risk of the equity markets i prefer to keep it in fixed income and bonds and therefore what are the investments within that space that i'm more comfortable with or you could say, well, I'm comfortable having a diversified portfolio and maybe I shift a little bit depending on where I understand the trends to be. But the only way to know that is you have to start. You can't have a theory in your head, right? And you can't say I'm going to do 100% risky or 100% safe. That That's not going to achieve your goals. And after you do it, you also need to understand you are going to take some losses, right? If I'm in a high-risk hedge fund, that's volatile, I am going to take a loss. How will I react to that loss? Do I lose confidence in the manager? Is it the market? Am I willing to sit this out? How do I react? And all these emotions are learned along the way. You can't decide them. You can't frame them from day one. So if there's any advice to women is to start early. 
Don't wait until it's too late. I read quite a lot around women who get a lot more confident when they're older. Mm. But then you lose the opportunity costs over that time if you don't start earlier. So starting earlier, just experiment a little bit, take a bit of your savings. And then there's some investments which I call, you don't lose sleep if you lose the money. Mm-hmm. So for example, I have in my head a certain proportion of wealth mm-hmm. that I am using to learn. It could be obviously something a bit more speculative. It could be something a little bit more risky that I know that, you know, I may very well lose 100% of that. But I want to learn. That's something that I think everyone needs to have that capacity for. Because if not, then you don't push your own boundaries of understanding where your risk appetite might be. Mm-hmm. And before we let you go, do you think women can actually be good at investing despite what we've mentioned that sometimes it's not quite the first thing that comes to mind or we might be more nurturing, protective maybe when it comes to how we manage our money. But can we be good at this as well? There are actually a number of studies out there that suggest that women are better investors generally. Better investors. Better investors. Mm. Okay. (laughs) If you like for like compare returns of women portfolio managers versus men portfolio managers, Mm. we're talking about professional fund managers. So there's nothing in the statistics to suggest that women are worse investors Mm. I think women just choose not to be investors. Right. It's not whether they're good or bad. Yeah. And we all have the same tools as men, really, to build our knowledge and to build our confidence. But it's so important to start small and practice investing so we do gain that confidence. But most importantly, and I totally agree, that we should not be oblivious to our investments and to where our money is. So thanks so much for your insights today, Oi. Appreciate it. Thanks, Sarah. Great to be with you. Thanks for listening. If you've enjoyed Money Talks, do follow us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. If you like this episode, do rate us or better still, leave us a review. If you have a topic you're interested to hear about or have feedback, write to us at cnapodcasts at mediacorp.com.sg. The team behind Money Talks is Joanne Chan, Jacqueline Chan, and Crispina Robert. I'm Sarah Alcaldi. Thanks so much for listening.